0: Welcome to the Why God Why podcast. I am Peter Engler, along with uh, the co-host John Amayo and our producer Dylan Carnival. We are here for a very special uh, local conversation. We're here with Chief Laron Singletary, he is the chief of the Rochester Police Department. And uh, just as a reminder, we at Why God Why, we exist to ask the questions that you don't feel comfortable in church. And so we've had a lot of questions with current events, and the question that we're engaging today is, "Why God? Why should I listen to voices beyond my newsfeed?" John, you wrote this question. I did write it. Where are we going? Well, I don't know.
1: <laughs> well, that, that's the part of it. Who knows? That that's the great part of this this whole thing. We never really know where we're going with it, but I I am excited to have our guest here today because I think here's the here's the deal: is as we talk about um, our society right now, I feel like we're all locked in kind of these, even your newsfeed is, is you typically we're all getting stuff from one vantage point. We're not getting a well-rounded view of exactly what's going on. And, and a lot of the issues that we're talking about are extremely complex issues and you can't just have a soundbite about them. Mm. And, um, And so that's why I'm really excited to have this conversation. What do you what do you think, Peter?
0: Well, I just want to start with the reason why I asked Chief Singletary to be on this podcast. Um, It was the Saturday of the riots in Rochester. I saw not just textbook, but leadership that should be talked about in every leadership training. Hmm. Mayor Lovely Warren, our county executive, Adam Bellow, Chief Singletary, who's here, and Chief Baxter. I saw four leaders on the same page speaking truth where it needed to be spoken, Mm -hmm. speaking grace where it needed to be spoken. And, you know, I I think we're having a national big picture conversation, but I just, I know the Rochester Police Department and there's a story that needs to be told. So that's Mm -hmm. why we're here with Chief Singletary today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think this story does need to be told. And, um, I'm so glad to have Chief Singletary here today. So thank you so much for joining us, Chief you're, Singletary.
2: John, thank you for having me. Uh, you know, it's a, you're right, it's a conversation that needs to be had and it can't be had in a, you know, 30 second sound bite that you typically see on the news. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're in a tough time in our society right now, a very tough time. And, uh, you know, these are complex issues that are not going to be solved overnight. Mm-hmm. They didn't start overnight and, uh, you know, Many of the conversations that I've been having is that this is man-made stuff. Mm. This is man-made stuff that we have um, kind of conjured up, and now we are forced to deal with it.
1: Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. I, let's dive in with your experience. So let rather than the 30-second sound bites that we often get, right, let's just settle in for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's settle in and and hear about you and your Life, your experience, you've grown up in Rochester, and now you are leading the Rochester Police Department. As that had that that's an unbelievable thing to grow up in that city and then lead the the police department in the city where you grew up. Was that your dream all the time? I tell you growing what. Up? Yes, uh, I always yeah. wanted to be a police officer. Uh, my
2: grandfather used to always say, you know, when I was on the couch watching the TV show Cops with my feet yeah. dangling, saying that granddad, I'm gonna be one of those. And it was watching the TV show Cops. And you know, my fifth grade D.A.R.E. teacher, you know, we had D.A.R.E. Drug Abuse Resistant Education. Her name was Officer Lucille Everett. I used to always uh, remember her, and I will always remember her. And it wasn't just about the drugs, staying away from drugs. It was about the relationship that she built with individuals in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to be a police officer from that set on. And, you no, know, I did the, the right thing. You know, I always tell young people, make sure you know what you want to do so you know the path to take. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I think this has been a position that's been ordained for me uh, at this particular point in time in my calling. So I was a police explorer, you know, uh, learned from many police officers, mentors. And, uh, you know, Bob Duffy was one of my... Uh, one of the people who I looked up to, and uh, he swore me in. Uh, He was the police chief at the time when I came on the job in July 2000. Mm -hmm. Hard to believe that next month I'll have 20 years, and I'll be eligible for retirement (laughs) at the age of 40. Oh, wow. Uh, So, but, you know, I'm I'm still having fun. Uh, I love what I do, and there is a story that needs to be told because the vast majority of police officers out there are good people who leave their families, who come to work, put their lives on the line for people who they do not know in this community. And right now, it's a tough time. Mm. Uh, for us, we are dealing with some very, very complex issues in the middle of a pandemic that none of us has even uh, lived through before Mm -hmm. the last pandemic was like 1917, 1918. Um, So we're dealing with all the societal issues that we're dealing with, as well as trying to do it during the pandemic.
1: Uh, So it's very tough. Yeah, can can you let us into that world a little bit? Because I think a lot of us, I think, again, we're used to seeing these really brief snapshots and we don't have an appreciation for kind of how the weight maybe that, that some police officers are carrying with them on a day-to-day basis. Like what, if you were to give a snapshot of what a lot of law enforcement is going through right now, like, can you give us an idea of, of what you're experiencing? Well, I think, uh, you know,
2: right now we, we see individuals in the community across this country who are allowed minority. That's what I call it, a loud minority. You know, there was, uh, ground zero was uh, Minneapolis Mm -hmm. with George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Um, And that started what we're seeing now. Uh, But this issue of what some may call police brutality Mm -hmm. um, has been occurring for quite some time. Mm -hmm. You know, right now we have social media that's just in our face. It's every single day. Um, And it's hard to get away from it. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have police officers who are... You know, looking at what is going on around the country, uh, you look at Atlanta, you look at Minneapolis, you look at incidents in New York City, and you know, police officers are wondering is this job worth it? Mm. Um, is this job worth it uh, with regard to possibly being charged criminally for something that you may be doing or may have done, um, and possibly even thrown in jail uh, for something? Um, but you know, as a leader in law enforcement right now, uh, what I my job is to try to keep the morale of my troops up, and in the climate that we're in, it, it's it's hard. Um, police officers are human. You know, we recruit from the general population. People make mistakes. I always say, good cops make mistakes. Bad cops make excuses. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we have a great department here in Rochester. We have 728 men and women who come to work, who are well trained. Um, you know, who put their lives um on line for this community and no matter what the sentiment is in the community or across the country when someone calls 911 they show up and they say how can i help you mm-hmm. um and i always say as a leader this is a business you know we provide a service and uh you know there are people in this community who are the silent majority who do support us And I have countless cards on my desk. I receive emails. Uh, I think, Peter, we got something from you and your daughter um, saying support the police. So, I mean, it's those things that really means a lot uh, to to us in the department. Um, And, uh, you know, cops need to know that there are people who support them. I was just having a conversation with my youth public safety committee yesterday. I said, when you see a police officer, go up to them and say, I appreciate what you do. Thank Mm -hmm. you for your service. That means so much to a police officer right now. Mm-hmm. So much.
0: Well, I, I want to get to the more controversial stuff, but I think it's important um, when we talk about the story that's not being told, and I think about the Rochester Police Department, what are you most proud of that you have done as a department to connect with the community You know, in the past? And you've been... You went from interim to chief. So you've been serving for how long as chief? Uh,
2: so well, June, last year I was confirmed, uh, June 18th, and uh, I was serving since April 17th. Okay. So a little over a year, uh, I've been in the command of the department, um, but I'm very proud of the relationships that we have built in the community. And I think that is what, uh, you know, keeps this community separate from what other communities in the country are seeing with their police departments. And I think we have put in the work. We work with our community groups. We are trying to be as transparent and accountable as much as possible. Um, But we do a lot of community engagement Mm. and we build those bridges where they need to be built. We are working right now with several pastors in our community and we have a great law enforcement community around here, not just RPD, but the relationship between the sheriff's office and the town and village police chiefs right now there's a meeting going on right now at the public safety building with all the town and village police chiefs and we talk about issues so we talk about how to be better as an organization they always say that any organization that believes it does not need oversight or is beyond reproach is an agency that has already failed mm-hmm. and uh, so you know we you know we rely on our community help us do this job i always say we cannot do this alone we Mm -hmm. cannot do this alone whether it's fighting crime or building bridges or putting that equity in the bank for when we need to make a withdrawal and as you know right now police departments across this country are in a situation where they're needing to make a withdrawal and hopefully there's money in the bank for when you need to make that withdrawal because and i believe that we had that in rochester Mm -hmm. we have built bridges we have built relationships um what we saw on may 30th that night uh, is individuals who came to the protest with a different agenda you know we're all for peaceful protests it's part of our job to protect the First Amendment right people have a right to peacefully protest um, and, and and they want change and you do you, you enact change by peacefully protesting making your demands um heard and what happened that night we had individuals who you know we'll just say it, they were anarchists who were looking for trouble mm-hmm. who were looking to start something. And we see this typically sometimes when we had uh, protests protest over the years in Rochester, uh, but there were good people out there who were um, peacefully protesting the issues that we have in policing across this country. And what we saw that night, we saw anarchists who wanted to clash with the police who wanted a boiling point, who wanted a power cake. And, you know, we saw looting across the city. Um, and ever since then, ever since May 30th, that um, that night, that Saturday, we had peaceful protests and still continue to have peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so we hear people's messages loud and clear. And I think what you see across the country are police chiefs and sheriffs who are saying, We hear you. Uh, we're going to look at some changes within our departments. And I think we're seeing some drastic changes that have occurred that people have been trying to make over the years. Uh, when you talk about the repeal of 50A and other issues, when you talk about reimagining police and seeing how uh, police departments can do things differently. Mm.
1: so as uh, let's just go back to that night just because that's so fresh kind of in a lot of our memories as you were watching kind of people with you know ulterior motives come into the city and and destroy the city that you grew up in not destroy it totally but they had a big impact in the city like what were what was that doing to you emotionally in Mm. that moment because i can imagine what i would be feeling in that moment but i don't (laughs) Uh, yeah, maybe you're much more mature than I am, but. <laughs> well, I mean, we're human, you, know? yeah. you, you, you feel
2: passion, you feel angry, um, you feel hurt, you feel pain, you feel bad for the people who own a business, mm. who had their businesses damaged. And I get it, you know, sometimes you know, there has to be um, destruction in order for reconstruction to occur. Mm. You know, people's voices were heard, people's actions were seen. And now it's time to do something. I always say it's hard to hit up close, but we need to be able to sit down at a table and have these conversations and then get up. We may not always agree, but we can at least get up and see where each other is coming from, from that point of view. Um, so that night was very difficult for me. Um, you know, just being one year into uh, my tenure as police chief, you know, the mayor uh, supports me wholeheartedly. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, it's her city, too. She grew up here as well. You know, I think there are a lot of people who were uh, in pain with what we saw uh, in this city. And for an incident that didn't occur here, it occurred thousands of miles away. But, uh, you know, many police departments across the country, many cities across the country, uh, felt that impact from what occurred with George Floyd in Minneapolis. And so as a police chief, what we try to do after the incident occurred, after you try to restore order back into the city, um, you, you know, you try to be a leader, you try to, um, you know, instill a sense of calm. Uh, Amongst people who are watching, amongst people who are looking, Um, and and I think what you have to do is, you know, I always say I'm the police chief for the Rochester Police Department, police officers within the organization, but I'm also the police chief for the community as well, Mm -hmm. and uh, so it's it's, it's kind of twofold. And and, you know, I answer to the mayor, and like I said, she has been so supportive throughout this. You know, there have been many calls for people to want to defund the police, Um, but uh, you know, I'm not for defunding the police. I'm for reform. You know, I'm I'm always for reform. I get the history of policing and and how it has not been so kind to certain segments of people uh, within this population. Um, And and we have to do better. You know, we have to do better. And I think people are listening right now at this point. So that night was was, uh, probably one of the nights that I will always remember. Mm-hmm. um as my in my almost 20 years two decades of being a police officer um that that's tough especially when you're the, the, the top cop mm-hmm. you know when you're the top cop you know not too many police chiefs can say that they have um you know policed through a riot or led through a riot or uh, things of that nature but we have so many issues in our country right now um people who have lost jobs and I always say that the police department you know we are my men and women they receive 10 months of training and a lot of the training, um, entails classroom training for six months, four months on the on the road. And as a law enforcement executive, as chief of police, I always worry about: Am I giving my police officers the knowledge, skills, and abilities, and tools to go out there and equip them to to do to deal with what we're asking them to do? We're asking police officers to do so much more than I think than what they're trained to do. We're asking them to be, um, you know, mental health therapists, family therapists, doctors, lawyers, teachers, parents. And you know they get ten months of training, mm. and there is on-the-job training that occurs. But I'm not sure so sure if we want many of the things that we're asking police officers to do. If we want them to learn it on the job, mm. you know, so yeah. that's where the conversation is talking about reimagining and possibly having you know social workers come in and deal with certain things that we uh, that we we are forced to deal with. But that's what happens when sometimes entities, mental health services, social services are cut. Mm. There's real pain there. And those individuals still need those services, and guess what, people say call 911 when mm. so-and-so doesn't wanna to go to school. Call 911 when so and is on the corner acting up. And it may be stemming from a mental health issue, but sometimes those services are not there.
0: So <clears throat> where where I kind of empathize and, and relate, um, I think a, a pastor, I'm not gonna get the statistics right, but it's like in the top 10 of least trustworthy positions, like just right now, um, and so I kind of feel this when there's a pastor that has a moral failure, when there's a pastor that um, embezzles money or something like that. All of a sudden, I kind of realize the conversation that's going to happen. And it's hard because I do know people that there's pastors that aren't in the media that you know maybe did some spiritual abuse and they were difficult and things like that. But I also know that a majority of pastors – you know, their hearts are in the right place, they're doing the right thing. So for me, it's kind of like a tension to manage. Um, I believe it's probably similar with you. How do you manage that tension? Because I think the difficulty with the police department is there's millions of interactions that happen that don't get reported on the news. And then, you know, when we do talk about police on the news, it's with this. And even right now, what we're doing is you know, Browncroft's part of clergy on patrol with the mayor, we're part of books with bears. So how do you manage that tension with, there's a reality on both sides? Right,
2: it's definitely a balance. It's definitely a balance because you have to understand in order where you want to go, you have to understand where you have been. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, that's one of the things that we are trying to do with our police recruits, get them to understand the history of policing and get them to understand what Rochester is about. Rochester is a melting pot of many different ethnicities, and uh, one of the things that we're trying to do with our post academy is when individuals graduate from the academy, they have an opportunity to have two weeks of post academy. And we want them to get as much experience to many different elements within Rochester that they are going to be policing, because some of our recruits have never policed it in an urban environment or maybe mm-hmm. haven't even stepped foot in an urban environment. So we want to get them as much exposure and comfort as possible It's that cultural competency that we're looking for but you're right, one thing that I think we always have to remind our police officers is, and I think sometimes the public does, is paint us with a broad brush, you know, because the incident happened in Georgia, Florida, California, North Dakota, South Dakota. If it happened in a police officer, they're representation of government, and we are the closest form of representation of government. And I think that is why, it, being a leader, it's important for me to be out in front and mm-hmm. vocal, because I was, you know, when you talk about policing in America, And the pain that people felt that week uh, of the riots and the pain that people continue to feel, it's important for me as a leader to be out front and talk about these conversations because I am the closest thing that people know right now to law enforcement, uh, myself and all the other chiefs around. And I think it's important for us to be visible. It's important for us to have these conversations. And I think that night when the incident uh, uh, started to spark off about George Floyd, myself and many of the chiefs around, all the chiefs actually, around Morrow County got together and wrote a statement uh, because uh, you know one of the conversations we had was silence is complicit mm-hmm. you know if you don't speak up about something that is wrong and is clearly wrong um, you may not have all the facts but if you can look at it and say uh, I don't know about that I don't agree with that that's not how the principles of law enforcement are that's not the values that we believe in then you got to speak up and I think that's what most people want today and I think that's what you're seeing with many law enforcement leaders across this country typically you don't see that because we're always a little apprehensive to speak up because we don't have all the facts. But I think what you're seeing now is people want change. People want leaders to speak up when something is not right.
1: And that's what I love about you even joining us is that you're just dis- you're just showing that. You're showing that that you are willing to have these discussions, mm. you know? And, and I respect that a ton about you. And even as I hear you talk about leadership, um, I hear this, this kind of sense of, Hey, there's a better place, you know, in the future, you kind of are describing as, as I hear you talk, you keep on kind of referencing like what could be. And I think that's one of the, the bigger parts of being a leader is, is knowing what that place is and then taking people along that journey to that new place. If you had to paint a picture and I don't, I know that, you know, I, I know you might not have all the the details of this and whatever you're, you don't want to answer that's fine. But I just would love to get a sense of what that new reality might look like. If you were to think of the future and go, this is what I dream of how the community and police work together um, in the future. How would that look? Well, I I
2: think uh, if that, if I had a magic wand, I would say, if we can just see each other, you know, um, there's a saying that goes, it's not what you look at, it's what you see, because mm-hmm. you and I can look at a diff- uh, same object and we can yeah. see something totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, but we have to do the same thing, you know, seek first to understand before being understood. And we have to be able to sit at a table and have these dialogues and have tough conversations. And then we need to take it a step further, mm-hmm. you know, and not just have these conversations, but take it a step further. And that's what people want to see the action. Right. And you talk about being a leader, and one of my job is to make sure I see a vision and then I charge people with, you know, laying a platform as to how to get there. You know, so I think that's one of the good things about managing a team. And I have a great team of commanders, deputy chiefs, captains, lieutenant sergeants. I have a great department who, uh, you know, I think see where we are. And, and I have to continue to set the expectations as to what we want to do. And as a, you know, throughout this whole period that we're dealing with, one of the big words for me was first word that night was pain. A lot of people are going through pain, and then reflection. You know, we have to go through reflection and see where we want to be and how we want to get there. And I think that's so important. For when you talk about people who are going out there pushing the blue and white, pushing uh, the, the police car, going to 911 calls for service, because you can become jaded. Um, you become you see people don't call the police typically for something good. You know, you so you see people at their worst, mm-hmm. and and I think we have to make sure our officers. Have um, you know great officer wellness? You know, and it's my job to make sure that they're okay because if they're not okay, they can't go out there and make people okay,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and to, and to care for people if they're not internally okay. And I tell you, the period that we're going through right now is very tough for police officers. Um, you know, I, I know I've had many conversations with many law enforcement leaders around the country where people are, uh, their men and women are doubting their profession. And I always say that this too shall pass. Um, But it must pass with uh, something good coming out of it. And I think we're seeing some reforms happen. And I think one of the things that we need to do as police officers is to to see, uh, and and as a community, is see each other differently. Uh, We really need to see each other. And that's one of the things that we do in our department. We, uh, as, as mandated by the Department of Criminal Justice Services, is implicit bias. And and the procedural justice, you know, procedural justice is really understanding why people are in the situations that they're in and why someone may have stolen uh, some food from a store and maybe to feed their family. You know, um, not all people who do things are are bad people. They sometimes they're just in bad circumstances that uh, cause them to do certain things. But I think one of the things we need to do is and, and I can speak to say this, that many police officers in the RPD are compassionate people. You know, I've seen police officers go into their own pocket and give money uh, to families who are in need or individuals they come across who have mental who are in a mental health crisis. So, I mean, the police officers for this department are, are strong. You know, they go out there and serve with the values that I put up, put forth, which is pride, you know, professionalism, respect, integrity, dedication and excellence. And that's what we're about. And that's what we want the community to kind of judge us on. But we have to be able to market ourselves, advertise ourselves, and talk about what you said, Peter, is is talk about what we do good. Mm-hmm. You know, people are already saying, you guys should do this, you guys should do that. But we're not talking mm-hmm. about what we currently do, mm-hmm. you know, and how we're different from other police departments. And I go back, and going back to the defunding of police, I think you can't defund police because you, in order for a police department to be good, you know, and to not have the atrocities that we've seen around the country, you have to invest in your police department. You know, public safety is expensive. I get it. I get it. But you have to invest in your police department. Once you start divesting from the police department, that's where you start having issues.
0: Um. So we've had a few conversations, you know, about current events, and uh, there's a pastor down in Philadelphia, Dr. Eric Mason. He says proximity breeds empathy, distance breeds suspicion. And um, as I think about that, you know, we're talking about news feeds. Um, what should we be reading about police? What should we be watching, you know, whether it's a books or articles or figures to follow that you kind of say, you know what, it, it, if you want to understand where we're coming from, you know, just to have a better intelligent conversation, where would you direct us? You know,
2: I, I, you can go anywhere, you know, <laughs> uh, you can go anywhere and read about any and everything. And that's what I try to do, too. You know, I don't re- try to re- just read the good I try to read the bad, too. I try to read and see what other departments may have been, you know, in trouble for. So that way we don't prepare for such, mm. you know, you know, me and uh, one of the uh, one of my aides were talking yesterday about, you know, what ha- what if that situation in Atlanta happened here? You know, what do we teach our officers if someone ends up with your taser? Mm. You know, what what do we do? You know, um, you know, I've had several conversations with many experts across the country who say that, you know, is a taser. Uh, in the hands of a citizen, citizen of a deadly weapon, but in the hands of a police officer, it's just a dangerous instrument. So those, that's the debate that I think continues to happen across the country. And, and we got to have those conversations to kind of, you know, straighten those issues out Because mm-hmm. before we go out there and ask our police officers to take action. Because we don't want them to second guess themselves. And then, you know, we're going to a police funeral as a result of them second guessing themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think, you know. I'm always looking at, you know, big cities, you know, Baltimore, Chicago, seeing what they're going through, whether it's crime or training um, to see how we can be better here in Rochester and provide the best quality type of service for our organization. So I think you can go anywhere and look at it. One of the things I like is policeone.com. You know, it's about a bunch of articles that talks about the trends, latest, greatest and best practices in policing um and, and so you know and other thing is, is is colleagues you know and just having conversations with people we don't talk to people enough you know um you know your neighbors you know how many times do you get a chance to talk to our, your neighbors because we're just so busy we lead busy lives you know or you probably just get an opportunity to socialize in church on sunday and even that has been kind of taken away with regard to the pandemic that we're going through right now so people are looking for some sort of outlet you know and you know worship has kind of been taken away a little bit you know some people are you know, have resumed to Zoom meetings for church and things of that nature. But we got to find some sort of sanity to keep uh, to keep the faith. Mm-hmm. And I always talk about through faith, family, and friends, we can get through anything. We've had a couple of trying times in our department uh, with, with uh, you know, Officer Denny Wright, you know, who was assaulted and attacked. Uh, we had uh, Officer Manny Ortiz, who passed away. We just had another officer, Lieutenant Aaron Kelletti, uh, who was a man of faith who was in the church. Uh, who volunteered for this community? Um, he went out and pray, held a privilege the night he was struck and killed by a car uh, at the public safety building from a guy who was outside. Uh, his name is Cuevas. He was outside and he was holding up a sign saying, uh, "I'm praying for you." After what occurred May 30th, the riots in Rochester, and you have a gentleman who's African American who comes to the police department, puts himself out there. You know, and says, I'm praying for you. So Lieutenant Kaledi went down and, you know, was kind of suspicious as to what this gentleman was doing. And he's like, you know, either I'm going to, you know, poke holes in his story and see what he's about, or I'm going to have a good conversation with him about, you know, philosophical conversation. And they went up having a conversation for two hours mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. there. And then the next week, he organized a prayer service, Lieutenant Coletti that with about 30 people, 15 officers, 15 pastors from the community and that night he was uh, struck and killed wow um, by a car
0: wow you know let's talk about uh aaron coletti um <clears throat> so uh, he um the guy that performed my wedding ceremony that's his cousin um so lived on, and just you know <clears throat> those are the stories that i think we don't always talk about you know as you think of him and his family right now what they're going through um, and just as a police department, you're, you're grieving this loss. Um, and it didn't happen, you know, on the job, so to speak. It was very, very tragic. How are you grieving? How is the department doing? What's that like right now? Let people in just a little bit.
2: Well, you know, police officers are always told and thought to have tough skin, thick skin, you know, suck it up. But we're human. You know, police officers go through hurt. People, police officers go through pain. And the last year, we've gone through that. In our department you know and also through the hurt and pain you know it, it brings you together you know i think through many things that we've been through in our department you know through chaos i think you have opportunity and silver lining you know if there is that we grow stronger as an agency because we've been through things um so you know it, it's tough because you know we still are expected because we have an incident that occurs in our department We can't push the pause button and shut operations down Mm -hmm. you know because we're 24 7 operation 365 days a year and people depend on us and i think that's why this job is such a calling because people understand that the men and women who took an oath they understand that you know but there is a time to grieve and i think that's important for our supervisors to make sure that they keep an eye on the men and women who are out there pushing the blue and white serving and protecting And, and it's even so important to keep an eye on supervisors as well, because we all experience, everyone always tells me, what do you do, you know, as a chief, you know, who's keeping an eye on you, Mm -hmm. you know? um, So, you know, what outlet do you have, you know? And, uh, you know, I like to travel, um, but, you know, I can't tell you when the last time I had a day off because we've been going strong ever since, you know, March 16th when COVID, you know, kind of first hit Rochester and changed our lives here and our policies and operating procedures. Um, And, you know, I haven't had a day off, I think probably most of the year. Um, but uh, uh, most of this year But uh, you know you, you, you get into leadership mode But you have to understand that there's a breaking point mm-hmm. And I think you also You know with the things that we're dealing with In the moment that we're dealing with You know I have to keep my things in check So faith, family and friends are what, are what does it for me You know people say you know Are you taking care of yourself And you know you always say yeah But are you probably not You know because there's so many things you're dealing with you have so much on your shoulders, and uh, you know, police officers. As I said we come to work, you know, for eight hours. We deal with what the community has and that stress that when you take off that uniform it doesn't stop at your doorstep, you know. So um, I know many police officers who are people of faith, and and I think that's <clears> the <throat> excuse me. And I think they have to, uh, you know, continue to keep that faith. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. What uh, I think that's a great point, and I want to just explore that with you a little bit. Like, what does that look like for you in your life? Like. You're a person of faith. Like, how has that impacted you as a police officer? Well, it's given me an outlet. You know, you got somebody to turn to. And, uh, you know, I
2: love the saying, "What was it, you know, what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say during these moments? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I always say, you know, the, the golden rule, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, you, you know, we're not supposed to judge people. But if you do have an opportunity to judge people, judge people, you know, how you will want to be judged. Um, I think that's the... You know and learn from your mistakes and stick to your faith um so you know i read the bible and you know my grandmother used to always talk about revelations and uh you know the moment that we're in right now is like wow you know i mean people are losing their jobs you know some people depending on what your politics and i try to stay away from politics some people have many opinions about politics right now you know what's going on in dc and across the country um but uh you know, we're at a time where people are looking for guidance and leadership um, and leaders are so more so important, whether you're a pastor or a police chief or a CEO at a Fortune 500 company or you just run a store with five employees, a corner store. Um, people are looking for leadership and looking for someone to turn to. And right now we have people who are hurting, people who have um, are po- po- possibly facing eviction. You know, governors across this nation have put an eviction clause uh, in, in place so people cannot be evicted
0: because mm-hmm. they
2: lost their job because of the pandemic, right? So, but those evictions clauses are starting to be lifted and people don't have jobs mm-hmm. before the clause went into effect. So what do they do when they have kids? You know, so, and typically I think when you have a pandemic or when you have a crisis of this magnitude when people are unemployed, you know, we often see crime goes up. And uh, I think, you know, when you talk about defunding the police, is, Put police departments in this opportunity, and during, during this uh, pandemic, crime is going to go up, and uh, you know we've seen it across the country, particularly violent crime, gun violence, and uh, you know where we're seeing it here in Rochester as well, um, but uh, you know not to the magnitude of other cities, but it's uh, it, it's something. But you know faith is what keeps me going, mm-hmm. you know,
1: and, and and having friends to talk to, and and family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me ask one question about that, because I heard you say something before that's still ringing around in my head, and I want to explore it just a a moment with you. You said it's tough not to become jaded Mm. sometimes. That just sticks out to me. And I I feel that, you know, Peter and I, we're in ministry, so it's like, like Peter was saying before, there's some similarities in some of the stuff. I think that that's a similarity. Sometimes I see people's lives and I go, oh, man. I, this does not make any sense anymore <laughs> like and I get I can get jaded in ministry, you know um but but how do you keep a fresh perspective and and not let yourself go there, not get jaded by what you see on a day in and day out basis sometimes?
2: Wow, wow, that's a good question. Um, I, you know I, I think what you have to do is you have to just realize that you know there's there's a better tomorrow. And, uh, you know, everyone faces obstacles. You know, life wasn't always so good. Um, and sometimes people just need a hand. Sometimes people just need a hand. And you all you should be willing to listen to people. Sometimes you may change someone's life, you know. Um, you, you have to be able to listen. And I think, you know, when there's opportunity to correct behavior or, 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 you know, just give some advice, I think you have to do that. You know, we can't shun people away, you know, because if you shun people away... Something can happen. And I think, you know, to become jaded, you know, like I said, police officers see people at their worst. And we see sometimes what the worst of humanity has to offer. But we have to remember that we're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. And each and every one of us is here for a purpose. Um, so sometimes you have to help people find uh, their purpose in life because uh, through the, the ways that we're navigating through right now, it's is tough. And some people can't find it. And I think. You know, some people are better off than others. And, uh, you know, I think Rochester is a very giving community when you talk about from, you know, faith or, you know, economics or finances. People are willing to give mm. in, in times of need. Um, so I think uh, that's it, a, it's a very good question. I don't know if I know how to answer that question.
0: Well, and <clears throat> what's tough about it is how do you not stay jaded? What happens when you're jaded is you lack curiosity and when you lack curiosity this is i'm just reflecting on what i've been going through is you know you you start a conversation and whether it's on racism whether it's on police brutality whether it's on politics whether it's on defunding the police and people are already entrenched in their views and for us to be great leaders as pastors as mayors as police officers like part of not being jaded is just being curious you know so i even think about this you know when someone steals you know and what you brought up well if that person's stealing for their family and they have no money in their bank account and they're about to get evicted that changes a ton it doesn't mean it's right it just it changes your perspective and and so you know i i think of what jesus did jesus asked a ton of questions i don't think people give him that credit he he asks all these questions and here's the guy that knows everything about everyone. And, you know, part of not being jaded, and I don't know if it's the effect on John or you know, Chief Singletary, but like part of where we are right now, if we just became more curious, yeah. you know, so I even think about when you're talking about police officers like saying that you're appreciative, you know, even asking the question of the police, Hey, how you doing right now? Now, a police officer might not say, you know, I'm doing terrible, but even just to say, hey, I'm, you know, and I think about friendships, too. You know, it's funny. I, I'm going to go back to pastoring, too. Like, sometimes people will be in front of me and they'll be like, that's a terrible pastor, blah, 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 blah. But it's not you. And and it's a weird moment because it's like, you just threw my profession under the bus and it's hard for me not to take that personal. I don't know. What, what should be your but you, thoughts? But you
2: know what? Uh, I always, you know, you, you have to ask questions. You're you're right. You know, you don't you don't have to know all the answers, but mm. you you got to know how to add. You know, you need to know what questions to ask, the right mm. questions, right, to get further, to dig, dig a little deeper. You know, why do you, why do you continue to do what you do today during all this tumultuous mm. that, that we experience right now? Right, even as a pastor or you know as a police officer and uh, i always talk about perceptions people's perceptions are real mm-hmm. you know who am i to say uh, or dismiss what your feelings are who am i to dismiss it you know you could have had a bad experience with a police officer but that's my opportunity to tell you not all police officers are bad mm-hmm. and like you said digging deeper having this conversation so we can kind of kind of understand where each other is coming from because you know once you dismiss someone there the conversation's over mm-hmm. the conversation's over so you have to be able to uh, engage in dialogue even if you may not the person can hate the police. You know, but we got to be able to sit down and have a conversation if you're willing. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people who I would love to have a conversation with about many things, but they just don't want to sit down. Mm-hmm. They don't want to sit down. So where do you go from there? You know, how, how do you go from there? So I think you yeah, continue to talk and continue to show what we're doing like we're doing right now, we're having a platform. And I think People who are in positions of leadership must use that platform, mm-hmm. must use that platform and provide perspective and some sort of normalcy to what may be a chaotic environment. You know, People need to know that there are adults who, are, who, are, um, who have received training, who are educated, who, who, um, who have experience to deal with situations and problems, to provide some sort of comfort and peace um, to a community. And that's tough. That's tough. If you're a mayor or a police chief right now, I have many family members and friends who say,
1: "I would not want to be a mayor or a police chief of a city right now, (laughs) of any city." (laughs) Yeah, the complexity that you're talking about, and I I love how you're pointing us back to to really relational things. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it it comes down to relationships. It doesn't come down to what we're reading on our news feed or or what we've just heard on a soundbite on the news. It comes down to relationships and paying attention to people and even the people we might disagree with leaning into that a little bit more. Um, So Peter and I love to kind of close up each one of these episodes with kind of imagining what Jesus would say about this. And, you know, sometimes there's definite answers sometimes there's not and and uh but in either case peter and i like to make something up and we <laughs> that we think that we think yeah. jesus would say and, about
0: and it. you clean up the mess of that's the right. heresy oh, well, that's you, right. you yeah, back yeah. clean up yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. all good that's right
1: we always give you the last word so you we'll we'll let you have the last word on this but um peter you want to go first and and yeah. think
0: about this you know as i've been praying and thinking about this interview um <clears throat> You know, I've been thinking about just the comparison, and I think the RPD, and I would say 95% of the police have a better reputation and better integrity than the Romans in in the first century. So just let's start there. But uh, I love the way the Bible talks about law enforcement, and we forget this. You know, so in the Gospels, Jesus is dying on the cross. And his accuser, the ones that put him on the cross, there's a Roman soldier that stands up there and says, surely this man's the son of God. You turn a few pages over into the book of Acts. Paul's in prison with, um, I think it's Silas. They're singing and they're in the Philippian jail and there's this earthquake and the Philippian jailer takes Paul home and, and, uh, comes to follow Jesus, him and his household. That's what it says. I think about Cornelius, who was another Roman official, who the first person um, outside of the Jews to really experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I say all of that because God has a, it's not about position. It's not about what you do. But God has a special place in his heart for people. And even as I think about the disciples, you have Simon the Zealot, and you have Matthews, a tax collector for the government, somehow these natural enemies all come together and it's the gospel. And that is the power of the gospel in our lives, that even in this moment where we are vehemently angry at each other, what God calls us to do is, is to see people the way he sees them, not in their caricatures, not in... You know, just our—not just in our experiences, but created in God's image. And so, I've just been reflecting a lot about that, how Jesus interacted with people, and what a calling for us.
1: Wow, that was really good, Peter. Yeah, way to go. I—I uh, uh, I, as I was sitting here in this discussion, I was thinking about that Philippian jailer, actually, um, and not only him, but it's a really interesting if you look at that first. Church there in Philippi, and we hear, we see, a, we read about it in Acts. On one hand, you, you see three characters that, that form that church. The first one is a woman named Lydia. She's like uh, on the high end of fashion design, she's selling stuff. She's very wealthy. She's the first person we're introduced to. We're also introduced to a, a slave girl who has, who is a nobody. We don't even know her name. She and, and yet she's has her life dramatically transformed by Jesus and, and and is set free. Amazing things happen. And then you have this Philippian jailer as well, and who was the equivalent of a police officer of his day. And now this police officer, this former slave, and this fashionista all form this church. People who would never interact with each other, outside of that context, all of a sudden now are being, because all of their lives have been transformed by Jesus, now they're at this space where they're like, we have to learn to do life together.
0: Mm.
1: And they haven't ever done it before. And it's really interesting to me. One of my favorite passages in Philippians is, it just says this, don't be anxious about anything but in everything through prayer and petition, through with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm that is written specifically to people who are trying to figure out how in the world do we live together, <laughs> you know? And there's this peace of God that we need in our lives. And I th- can't think of something that we as a society need more right now than a peace that transcends all understanding as we're trying to learn how do we walk side by side with each right. other.
2: Wow. Wow. That's both, both great, both powerful. You know, John, like you said, it's, uh, you know, one thing I like what you said about is, uh, you know, we're a community. You know, we are a community. Um, And like what you said, Peter, is about, uh, you know, we have to be able to see one another, Mm -hmm. you know, because we are a community. Who makes up that community? That's been a lot of conversations that we've been having lately. Who is the community? Who should be a part of it? Everyone should be a part of it. You know, there's a a quote that says, you know, in the Bible, it says, you know, we can do all things through Christ. You know, we can do all things through Christ. And, uh, you know, if, if we have an opportunity just to stick to our faith, You know, still hold true to what you believe in. And we can all come together as a a community because we have to live together. And, you know, it doesn't matter what position you hold or what type of, um, you know, authority you have. It's about the influence that you bring Mm -hmm. to those positions. And do people believe in you? You know, I always say that I got four stars on my collar, which says I'm the chief. But I don't want people to do what I say because I'm the chief. Mm -hmm. I want people to do what I say because they believe in me. You know, they believe that I'm going to lead them into righteousness Mm -hmm. and to try to prevent them from, you know, leading down a path that's going to, you know, down a path of fray. You know, so we want righteousness and we want community and we want to see each other for who we are, no matter what we look like. uh, You know, it's, it's just it's so much there to unpack and I think we have unpacked some great stuff within the last hour. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's about, you know, the golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated. You know, that's a bit in the Ten Commandments, you know.
0: I'm actually um, going to close this a little bit differently. One of our guests, uh, Marvin Mumford, he asked us to pray. So I, I just want to pray for you. But before we close, um, Chief Singletary is a great LinkedIn follow. He's a great Twitter follow. <laughs> so I just, I, I, I want to let you know that, um, you know, you all know where to find Why God Why. It's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Leave a review um, and then use hashtag WGW podcast. But I just want to pray for you, Chief, and we'll close that. God, I thank you for Chief Singletary. I thank you for Mayor um, Lovely Warren, Chief of uh, Monroe County, Todd Baxter, Um, and then our county executive, Adam Bellow. Lord, I pray for every police department across the United States. I pray for every government official. I pray for every citizen and resident as we have this conversation about uh, the future, the vision of policing, of protecting, as we also have this conversation about racism and brutality. God, I pray that we would be infused with grace and truth. And it's no accident that grace comes first, because without truth, we can't really be gracious, and without grace, we really can't be truthful. So God, I pray for these leaders, Lord, I am proud to be a Rochesterian, and I am proud of the four leaders that I just mentioned, and I pray especially for Chief Singletary as he's here. I pray that you'd guide him, empower him by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray for every police officer in the RPD as they would see themselves created in your image, representatives of you. And Lord, um, as we think about the future of police officers, just as pastors and politicians and other people are called, we pray for those that you're going to call that are going to be part of the transformation. We pray for the, the students um, right now that are in high school and in college that you might redirect their lives. God, I pray that they would feel your spirit and sense that even now. And Lord, we pray this all in your name, the resurrection and life. Amen. Amen.